Welcome to the Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. Welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning into the Kelly Roach Show. Today, I have a very special guest, Reshma Sajani, and she has been not only a leading activist for women and girls for years, she founded Girls Who Code and the Marshall Plan for Moms. And she's the author of a new book it's called Pay Up, which we are going to explore today. I can't wait to dig in. But really, uh, Reshma, you have been uh, kind of at the the leading cutting edge of working to close the gender gap in the tech sector, in all of the girls' empowerment work that you do. Um, you've really created an unbelievable movement over the years. So take us back a little bit before we go forward and talk about the book. How did this ignite inside of you? Where did it start? How did this rise up inside of you? And, and where did this all begin? Where does the story begin for you? Hmm. I mean, I think it, I mean, it begins by being the daughter of refugees. So my parents came here as refugees in 1973 and they were expelled from Uganda by the dictator Idi Amin. And both of them got status to come to the United States because they were engineers. And it was like the 1970s and people were desperate. This country was like desperately seeking engineers. And my dad, you know, even though they were engineers, my dad worked as a machinist in a plant. You know, my mother sold cosmetics. And my dad would always read to me these like tiny Reader's Digest books about change makers like Mahatma Gandhi and Dr. King and Eleanor Roosevelt. And those books, I think, really captured me. And I think hearing those stories of those change makers combined, you know, with my parents' struggle, you know, really inspired me to want to be a public servant and to want to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. It's those little things. You don't realize the little things are the big things and that set the course and direction for your entire life, right? So you have done this work for years now. You, you focus on teaching girls bravery, not perfection, a message that I love so much. I actually have a children's book called Just Be You, which is about the same thing and another one called Perfectly Imperfect. And it's all about embracing our imperfections. So I love that this is something that we both share a passion for. So let's talk a little bit after all that you've accomplished and everything that you've created and are still creating, obviously you're still early in your career, although you've accomplished a lot. Um, Let's talk about this book, Pay Up. Let's talk about the why behind it. Let's talk about what we're going to explore and learn and experience in the book. Yeah. I mean, what do you want to start with? The why? I mean, the why is like women are in crisis, Kelly. And the only way out is to transform our workplaces. Mm-hmm. You know, today, there are still 1.1 million fewer women in the labor force than there were two years ago. Over the past two years, 12 million women have gotten pushed out. Uh, right now, one in three women are thinking about quitting the job, their jobs or leaving the workforce, that number is going up, not down. Mm-hmm. 51% of women say their mental health has declined. We have, you know, exorbitant rates of anxiety and depression. And the past few years have crushed us mm-hmm. and mom's hearts are broken. 
And so I wrote pay up because we, we cannot go back to a broken system. And I think given the amount of jobs that are open right now, the amount of leverage, quite frankly, all workers have at this moment, we may not have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and so what do you think? I mean, obviously there's so many contributing factors to these, these statistics and women have made so much progress, right. And in their corporate careers, in founding companies, in emerging in the workforce. And then obviously this is kind of a a stab to the heart because it's a step back. Um, What are some of the things that you bring up in the book? What are some of the things that you're, you're uh, recommending or that you're inspiring people to think about or to do to change this? You know, part of it is like, how do we get here? You know, I spent the past 10 years as the founder of Girls Who Code, like telling girls to lean in real hard and like girl boss their way to the top, right? Mm-hmm. That that equality was just a, you know, an express train to the corner office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at Co- in COVID, I found myself in the middle of the pandemic with two little kids, you know, quite frankly, a newborn baby and a kindergartner mm-hmm. running an organization. And it literally almost broke me. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I have support. And so I learned the hard way that having it all is just a euphemism for doing it all. That's, that could not be more true. That... <laughs> and it, it really doesn't matter how many leadership courses you take or how much you color coach your calendar or delegate, right? Yeah. The, the system has never worked mm-hmm. for working women. Yeah. And whether you're mom, a CEO, a kid coming out of college, this affects all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you, what would be kind of some of your recommendations for the next generation, like the next generation of women that are coming up that can, can kind of like carve their own path and, and go their own way? Yeah. I mean, look, I think high level, you know, a vision for the future of work is where it's more than just an express train to the corner office is a world where we have the support we need from our employers, from government, from our partners, mm-hmm. drive, not just in our careers, but in our lives. Yeah. It's a world where we have choices, like the ability to exit and enter the workforce without penalty. Yeah. It's a world where we don't have to hide our motherhood, where we're free yeah. from bias, where being a mom isn't seen as something that is a distraction, right? To your right. career, actually yeah. lifted up. And it's a view where, you know, it's a world where our mental health is viewed you know, as being just as important as our output. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think, I think everyone is going through a a very big learning curve with that right now. Um, I think that mental health for everyone that it wasn't front and center with two years ago, it now is, whether it's by choice or not by choice. Right. I mean, I think everyone has just been through so much. Yeah that at this point you can't afford to not be thinking about and focusing on that element. Yeah. Yeah. It's so complicated for working moms because, or working women, because we're, we're, the world portrays us as, as never breaking. You know, I remember when millennials were coming to the workforce and they were like, you know, asking for, you know, therapy reimbursement and being out there with like their anxiety and their depression. I was like, Whoa, you know, cause I was a, you know, a Gen Xer and you just didn't talk about your yeah. personal business. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I was so, um, moved by them and they made such a difference in this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. similarly moms, you know, I was being interviewed by someone yesterday and I, we were talking mm-hmm. about this and I said, you know, have you ever seen your mom break? 
He said, you know what, Rashma, never. Mm-hmm. Even when my father died, mm-hmm. I cry. It's like we have never been given permission to show, to like show up as anything other than just like, we got it. Yeah. And yeah. be selfless and be these martyrs. And, you know, and, and, but we are broken. Like this pandemic crushed us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that we'll, as we're quote returning or choosing where we want to go, and I say it's a buyer's market, I do think we want, we need to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. What are you doing for my mental health? What are you doing for my self care? What benefits do I have? How do you, how are you prioritizing my mental health? Mm-hmm. And literally having mothers ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. That's so great. And I think the other thing that's amazing is that so many women are now starting their own businesses as well and normalizing for me a huge thing. I, I started my career in corporate. And then when I started my own business and I had my daughter, I brought her on camera with me every day. I would be holding her and I had the dog and the baby. And, you know, I really made an effort to try and normalize that for my clients so that yeah. they were seeing, oh, you know, you don't have to try to pretend like you're, you know, this uh, you're not, you're not, we're not. Yes. We're, I always say, let's not pretend like we live in, in glass houses when we actually live in a three ring circus. Let's just, we're in the three ring circus, oh, we have multi-dimensional lives. That's the truth. Let's normalize that. I love that. I mean, I did the same and yeah. you're right. Like running my own business, running my own organization gave me the freedom to do that. Sean went with me everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, really showed to like commencement speeches and it was messy. I was always haggard, frazzled. It was always messy. And I I did it for that very reason for for the young women in my life to say, see, yeah, you can't have it all. You know what I mean? And and it's messy and that's fine. You know, and and don't be afraid of showing the mess behind the scenes. Don't be afraid of making it seem like you got all this. And it's okay to ask for help. So I think that that's right. I mean, I used to even say this in the middle of the pandemic when, you know, people, kids would come in, you immediately saw that women would shut down the video right? Or apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, literally I'll do an interview and CNN, my baby sighs like screaming the whole time, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, cause people got to get used to the fact yeah. that we live in a world of children. Like we're human. Yeah. We're human. human. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that so much. I wonder, because this is something that I've been thinking a lot about with my own organization lately. And I, I wonder if you have feedback or thoughts on this, the traditional work week. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Do you write about that in the book? Do you have what, talk to me about what your opinion of that is? Because I'm I'm really looking at that and I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, do we need to? Is that yes? Match still? I don't know. <laughs> we do need to think about it just differently. I mean, I wrote an op-ed about this, and it's you know, and that's what's so frustrating about this moment because even two years later we're still having the same conversation about return to work, not return to work. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and accept that we're going to have some form of flexibility. And now let's talk about design. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the hours. Why are work hours different than school hours? You know, yeah. what is, what, it, why mm-hmm. and do they have to be, you know, should, should work, work days be nine to three. And then everybody can quote work remotely after three, when their kids come up, get out of school, mm-hmm. especially as we're sitting here in the middle of a childcare shortage. Yeah. People are already paying more for childcare than they pay for their mortgage. Yeah. So that is part of the point of this book too, is like to push the conversation to, a, to like beyond the superficial one that we're having right now, which is this, again, this resistance 
and this real desire to go back to the old normal, which was a place. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's something I, I'm examining for my own company. We are remote. We have people all over the country and in different countries throughout the world. So people kind of have that. But I was one of the first people, you know, when I worked in corporate, I, I, I was there. And I was like, why are we driving to the office every day? I don't need to be in an office every day. I'm an executive in a corporation. Like, I, I know what needs to get done. And you're wasting time on the way there and time on the way back. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but it's definitely an opportunity, I think, for everyone to um, have a conversation, right? Yeah. To have a conversation and then decide what that what you want that future to look like for you and the people that you're setting precedent for, you know? And, yeah, and it has to be normal. It's, it's interesting, too. It's like, it's about teaching people that they have power. Mm-hmm. Like, we're so used to, like, I mean, I was even thinking about this, like, how normal it is for people to say, I'm pregnant. And I'm trying to wait to the very last second to tell my employers. Mm-hmm. What does that say about our relationship with employers? Yeah. We can't even tell them we're pregnant because yeah. we think we're going to get discriminated against. Yes. Yeah. Right? Really sad. Yeah. And, and, and so we should not go back to that. No. And so I think before, listen, and I get it. I was, I was, you know, I hired a lot of people. People say, I want to work from home or I want flexibility. We assumed that that meant that you weren't committed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that we've already proven that we can do flexibility yeah. and still yeah. be more productive yes. than we've ever been. So I think part of it for us is to not go back to the old way where we're hiding mm-hmm. our pregnancies. And to basically say, no, ask for the things that we want. And to remember, it is a buyer's market, mm-hmm. you know, and companies and people, all of us want to work for companies that care about family values. Mm-hmm. You have young children or you are taking care of an elderly parent or you're taking care of a furry friend. You know what I mean? The ability to work for a place in which you're, you're more than just your output. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, as an employer, you're an employer, I'm an employer. I also want employees that feel comfortable coming to me and saying, have you ever considered changing this? Have you ever considered looking at that? You know, like it, it, some, sometimes we do things because that's how they've been done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now is a great moment to question everything and actually say, but does that make sense now? Yeah. Is that really relevant now? Is that actually making us more productive, more successful? Or should we try something new? You know? Yeah. And things can move quickly. I remember, again, I think, again, back to like where, you know, working in the law firm in, you know, the early 2000s and the expectation that you worked all the time. I mean, you always went into work on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, when I became the CEO of Girls Who Coded, and again, I'm grateful to the millennials for shifting this idea that we'll work ends on Friday at five. Mm-hmm. Nope weekends you know that was like a shift for me and so grateful for it Mm -hmm. things can move like you may be sitting here thinking what my employer can subsidize my child care like what like I can you know I can get flexibility remote and that could become normal or what we can have a work day that's nine to three and we may think that that is great like you know not going to happen but it can Mm -hmm. and it's ever been a moment for it to happen it's now and that's what i talk about in the book pay up is that this is the moment yeah. where we have power and where we have leverage like we've never had before yeah i love it 
I love it. It is. It's an exciting time. It's an opportunity. It is an opportunity to assess everything and to bring ideas forward and to reinvent for the better. Because we weren't, you know, women were not a part of setting the constructs uh, in a lot of ways that we're operating under. So it's a great opportunity to take another look at that, right? And I think sometimes you need a primer how, and that's what this book is about. Like, I, I, I need it. Well, how do I ask for that? What mm-hmm. do I What's the data? You know, and so that is what I'm hoping that this book kind of provides is your little cheat sheet of like how you go in and ask for those things. Or if you're an employer, what are the things that, what are the things that are going to make you get the best talent? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's an amazing reason for an employer to buy this book because it's also looking from the other perspective of understanding the operating reality of our employees and trying to understand how we can make our companies an employer of choice right? Why does someone want to work for you versus someone else, right? That's something I'm certainly interested in. I'm sure everyone listening has a team is interested in that as well, because the company with the best team is going to win, right? And it has to be like a holistic approach to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first we want to, we want to get everybody out there to grab a copy of the book, Pay Up. You're doing incredible work in the world. You're shifting paradigms, opening up new conversations, getting people to question everything and create this reinvention, this resurgent of women taking the lead, but in a new and different way this time, right? Yeah, it's exactly. the big comeback. It's the big comeback. Any other parting advice or just inspiration guidance that you want to share with everybody listening today? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that one of the things that I have a lot of regret on is, you know, it took me, you know, I, years and years of fertility struggles to finally have my first Sean. And I did not see him walk. I didn't see him crawl. I didn't see him say his first words. I missed everything. I maybe spent 20 minutes with him a day. And I thought, cause I was on, you know, two trains, whatever planes, but I thought that that was the price that I had to pay mm. you know, to being a girl boss, you know, to changing the world. And now I'm building my second movement, you know, with pay up. And, uh, I have my, you know, with my newborn, with my son, who's now two, I have seen everything. I'm there for bath time. I'm there to take care of him. And I, and I am building, I will build a bigger movement. Right. Right. And so I think that aha for me is I want to tell everybody is it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Also culture is dead. Mm -hmm. Having joy, having fun, spending time with your family, spending time with my dog Stanley, all of those things is what makes me a better social entrepreneur, allows me to make more change for the people that I care about. Let's not let this crisis be in vain. Let's not let this pandemic be in vain. Let's use the learnings, the grief, the power, the love, you know, to build something different. So good. So good. I love it. I think you gave everyone a lot to think about today, a lot to think about. And I think a lot of people are going to rise up and and really make some proactive choices for themselves, whether they're an employee or an employer. And you're absolutely right. Let's not waste the moment. It's a great moment of opportunity for everyone. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for having you. All right. We'll talk soon. Everybody go grab your copy of the book, Pay Up. It's out now. See ya.
Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week. We'll see you next time.